You are now entering the world of Musings of a Geek Podcast Network. Stay geeky, my friends. And welcome to week three of Bat Month. I am Mike, and this is 40 Going On 14. I am Patrick. I am Joel. And I'm Josh. And riddle me this what's fat right around 40 and incredibly underprepared for the show? All of us. All of- <laughs> <laughs> Damn it, I was just about to say that. Yeah. Oh. No. Nah, just Skype's been a little weird tonight. Skype is our villain tonight. Yes. Which is interesting that you say that because our show tonight is Villains in Video Games. It is. Skyper, no Skyping. <laughs> oh, I'm just, I, I don't know why I even get that, but I do. <laughs> That's for another show. I, I guess I owe that to my niece. Aw. And we owe a lot to the Musings of a Geek Podcast Network. Yes, we do. They let us in. <laughs> Any uh, club that would have me as a member? I don't know if I want to join it. Yeah, so uh, Musings of a Geek. It's a great uh, network of different geekish type uh, podcasts and shows. Uh, such as Who the What Now, um, History of Bad Ideas, and Dark Angels and Pretty Freaks. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Graphic Novice, uh, The Cue from Hell, Sad Robot Radio, How Is This Movie, Culture Babble, Hard to Swallow, Media Feed, Red Horse Radio, Outlandish Conversations, and Geek Ire. There are a whole bunch of others, but uh, those are the ones that we've selected to talk a little bit about this week. Yeah, come back. You uh, said you weren't prepared. Yeah. Yeah, we're good. That. I'm impressed. So uh, if you want to listen to the us you can go to musings of a geek you can find us there we're also on on saturday afternoons at noon on geek life radio and of course the big four-ish well itunes the big gorilla in the room uh, blueberry and stitcher and talk shoe itunes is a gorilla yeah big white gorilla racist yeah how did we get here? I don't, uh, know. I don't know. Turn <laughs> yeah, the car the text is calling you a racist. What happened? <laughs> yeah, well, if you'd like to call in and call us a racist, that number is <laughs> 708-NOW-RAP. That's 708-669-9727. Yep. And uh, if you want to start your own podcast, go to blueberry.com and put in 40GO14, and you get a month free hosting. Yay. Yay. So, uh, yeah, we got a little listener feedback this week. Yeah, people are loving Bat Month uh, on Twitter, like especially some of our uh, colleagues over at Musings of a Geek. Well, who won't love talking about Batman all all the time? Joker. No, um, I think he would love it too. Joe Quesada. Alfred. Maybe Alfred's getting tired of him. Alfred's just sick of this shit. Uh, Rob from, Liefeld. From El Heno, uh, <laughs> we've got uh, El Heno is talking about how they love the episode. I think Josh uh, is Alfred. He's sick of this shit too. And if he were the Batman, he could have been. <laughs> okay, so I'm sorry. We have a tweet. Uh, we have several tweets. A right. uh, VF from Graphic Novice uh, said, Impressive research as usual, guys. Never knew about that Boy Wonder song before either. That was hilarious to hear. Cool. <laughs> that song is something special. And you have it on special. your iPod, so. Yeah. I, I it's mean, no it's Winchester weird. Cathedral. <laughs> what could be? <laughs> uh, also, Who the What Now? Uh, the Who the What Now podcast tweeted at us all. Look well is amazingly awesome. Everyone should check out Adam West's comedy stylings. I totally agree. Look well is amazing. What is Look Well? I still need to watch it. It's the one with the giant badge where he tries to solve crimes. As oh, a- yeah. Okay. 
Yeah, I gotta try that. That would be cool. There's a I running gag throughout the whole thing because he played um he, he played a character named uh O'Bannon, I think, or something like that, or O'Brennan or whatever, but there's a running gag throughout the whole pilot where everybody's like, Oh, didn't you play O'Brennan? And he just gives no, that was so and so and didn't you play O'Bannon? No, that was so and so. He's like, Weren't you oh O'Hurley? No, that was so and so I mean it's written by Conan O'Brien and Robert Smigel, so it has to be good. Robert Smigel? Smigel. No. Oh. My precious. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so uh, we have some words from Charlie. Oh, God. <laughs> His ire is focused elsewhere at the moment. Okay. Uh, no, Scott, I'm going to punch you in the dick one of these days. Uh, the difference between a clip and a fucking magazine. A magazine is a box with a follower that feeds ammunition. A, is like a little metal deal that kind of holds on to a bunch of rounds. It's, it itself is the spring. Uh, the magazine is something that you, that, that holds the ammunition. So you can have a rifle that accepts clips that has an internal magazine that cannot be removed, like an M1 Durant. Okay, uh, that being said, uh, you really, you guys disappoint me with the whole My Little Pony thing. It's not a bad show. My kids like it. It's not a bad show. It's, at the very least, you can ignore it, but it's it's actually mildly entertaining. You should give My Little Pony, Friendship is Magic, a chance, because, as the title says, friendship is magic. You know, I'd just like to go on record as saying to the man who's uh, obsessed with guns and currently angry at Scott the Pool Boy that I have been the My Little Pony apologist on the show so far. I have two daughters. I'm down. I got no excuse. I never seen don't it. shoot me. I will uh, never ever be a My Little Pony fan. I, I will not go full brony, but it was better than I thought it would be, or than it had to be to sell plastic horses to little girls. So I, I'm I with you on that. Of, yeah, I've heard a lot of good things about it, but I'm still. It's one of those things, kind of like the Bears, kind of like the Cubs, kind of like a lot of things. I hate it because the fans are so annoying that I, there's no way I'm ever going to be to join in with them and like what they're liking because I hate them. Weird Al <laughs> has done a cameo. Not a cameo, but he's been on the show and did songs Who? and stuff. Weird Al. Oh. Well, Weird Al's done a lot of stuff. I don't have to like everything he's done. No, but... Yes, you do. <laughs> I, was... <laughs> I mean, I like some Weird Al. Don't get me wrong, but come on. The hell you say. You don't have to uh, swallow everything your idols do. Well. <laughs> even Arnold has turned... Out... I will even admit that Arnold Schwarzenegger has turned out a couple turds. Uh, I'm not Charlie has a months, couple but... more words for us here. Oh, God. Just, just a couple. Oh, God. Also, My Little Pony, almost as metal as Kiss. Oh, oh he is so wrong. <laughs> That's a bold statement. I have had this conversation with many of my of, of my mutual acquaintances who are Wait, heavily music. You've had a you've had a conversation about which is more metal, My Little Pony or Kiss? No, whether or not Kiss is metal. <laughs> Jackal. Oh, that makes more sense. Yes. And they are and? most definitely metal. They may not be like the most metal because you guys have a, in my opinion, a warped view of what metal is. You're thinking metal is only thrash metal. It's like there's different no. types of metal, like Slayer and Anthrax. That's, they're, they're like more thrash metal. I mean, there's there's metal is not just like one type of hard rock. All right. Yeah. So <laughs> All right. And we have uh, a voicemail from, I believe this, is, this one is from Peg Leg Pete on a completely different subject. Hey, 40, go 14 people. This is Big Like Pete. Uh, so I, uh, the other day just heard the, uh, shoot. Oh, the trick or treat episode. And, uh, I was, uh, put in the mind of, since you guys talking about horror anthologies, uh, I just recently saw the, uh, cause I'm more of an old school, like super old school Boris Karloff and Bella Lugosi type stuff. The, uh, the horror anthology Black Sabbath, which stars Boris Karloff, which is where the band gets its name from. 
So I guess that would mean that uh, in Charlie's list of metal versus non-metal, uh, the movie Black Sabbath probably would be considered metal. But I had this thought. Why is it, do you think, that there are so many horror anthology movies and why there are so few anthology movies of any other genre? Uh, I thought that was kind of interesting when I thought about it. So, anyway, uh, I guess now you guys can think about it. Talk to you later. Bye. Didn't we already discuss that once? We talked about why uh, they do so many remakes, but anthologies are a different thing, where you start with one, because I can only think of, besides horror, one other genre that ever does anthology, and that's like true crime Tarantino kind of stuff. Like, Four Rooms would be a true crime anthology. Um, yeah, I can't rooms. think of. Have you guys ever seen a comedy anthology movie? Um, there's a well, kids movie called Shorts. That's an anthology, but it all like oh, there's there's like four or five different stories that all link in with the main big story that bridges. Well, between I mean, them. there's a lot of rom coms like that, like um, all those Valentine's Day, all the holiday movies. I'd say those are kind of almost well, they're like vignettes, really more than. Well, what do you um, consider an anthology comedy? I mean, what little mini movies? What like movie forty three? I mean, oh, oh yeah, oh yeah, yeah. I mean, is that an anthology? I would think so. No, because I think it's more vignette because there's not like there's a beginning, end, and middle to it. And on uh, an anthology, you've got a beginning, middle, and end of each one of those stories. With like Amazon Women on the Moon, you've got just these little quick hits of they're like sketch comedy. Almost. Yeah, yeah. It's like high. Speed an, sketch an anthology comedy. doesn't wouldn't that usually in, imply like more than one movie like over stretching over a period of movies? No, Not, it's like trick or treat. Yeah, trick. Uh, Monty Python's The Meaning of Life uh, is considered an anthology because okay. there's a bunch of little sketch scenes. Oh, the uh, film Go from 1999 that'd be an action movie sort of indie anthology. Yes, yeah, I, I like that movie. Yeah. I just googled anthology movies and VHS Creep Show Twilight Zone the movie um dr terror's house of horrors i mean it's like am, am i joking it, oh new york stories there you go yeah it does seem there's like there's one. like three horror movies for every non-horror movie but uh yeah no that's a really interesting question so there's horror case. movies I mean, it's hard. and I mean, woody it's, allen it's, movies. it's hard to sometimes maintain an entire horror like concept throughout a, a 90 minute movie so i mean sometimes it's easier just to do like a short story type of telling of a horror story in movie form well i think one of the problems is is that if you do an anthology movie you need need four times more players than you would have for a regular movie. If you do usually you know like if you like uh, New York stories, I'm looking at it right now. Um IMDb it who's in it? Obviously Woody Allen, uh Mae Questel, Mia Farrow, Molly Reagan, early Ira Wheeler. There's like you for each vignette, you're going to have to have a star and some co-stars. So I think it's just harder to cast a vignette movie than it would be or a uh, anthology movie than it would be to cast just a full-on movie and since horror movies seem to be the stepping on point for a lot of young actors that that would they're more likely to take a place in a anthology movie that's made in a horror style. You know what I mean? Huh. Yeah. Interesting. Uh, an exception to the having to constantly recast people would be uh, Michael Jackson's Moonwalker. Definitely an anthology. Some of them are long form music videos, but some of them are not. And it looks like uh, the, one of the background dancers was Marissa Tangeroen, who you may know as connected to Joss Whedon. She's also one of, a co-creator and co-executive producer of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. And oh, she okay. was in that. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. Safe to say she's made a move up the ladder. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Between uh, her production on like, uh, uh, what's the superhero one that I'm just blanking on with Captain Hammer? 
Dr. Horrible sing-along blog. Yeah. Yeah, long, long way from Michael Jackson. Is that any good? I've heard about that. It's really good. It's very good. I'm Actually, if we ever do a, like, comedy musicals thing, I'd, I'd like to maybe nominate that for a future show idea. Yeah. All right. Cool. Well, there you go. Well, there we go. I think it's probably then about that time. It is about that time. <laughs> play with this. <laughs> it's about the time to go to silence. This weekend. Music. Movies. And TV. So there you go. All right. Uh, this week in, and this week's in year is 1986. So that is the first, uh, is that the first ever Batman game? That is the first ever Batman game from 1986 uh, by Ocean Software for like the MSX microcomputer. Ooh, wow. And Amstrad CPC. Mm-hmm. Like, these are computers I've never even heard of. I don't know what that is. TRS-80. Yeah. I don't know what that is either. I used to have an 8088, and I still have no idea what the hell that is. <laughs> that, was the, that was a bounty hunter on Star Wars. Oh, that's IG-88. I'm glad you it's caught a, that, though. It's his cousin. <laughs> it is an 8-bit home computer uh, produced between 1984 and 1990. The CPC is short for Color Personal Computer. Huh. Racist. And, and now you know. Not cracked by Carl. Our first computer? That's racist. <clears throat> okay. <laughs> Thanks for the silence. <laughs> <laughs> Glad to help you out there, man. All right, so. Let's not move on from that. Let's just, let's just be We're, quiet so it stands out even worse. Thanks. Yeah, Pat, don't just let it hang there. <laughs> I'll make All the right, silence longer in post. Um, Thanks. <laughs> so this weekend, 1986, music, the number one song is Human by the Human League. Well, that's clever. Well, here we go. And that's a sprint commercial. <laughs> so fuck you, YouTube. Thank you very much for that. Glad I queued that up. And I can't, uh, didn't anticipate there might be a commercial in a YouTube video. No, I, I don't know what YouTube's I was thinking. Gotta eat. I, <laughs> they gotta feed their family, man. Yeah. All right. So human by human league. Joel, you want to sing that for us? Everybody wants to <laughs> rule the world. And he's our music guy, ladies and gentlemen. Yes. I mean, it's no too hot, too cold by Salt and Pepper, but <laughs> Jesus. whatever. <laughs> So, uh, Damn it, I was taking a drink. <laughs> but by Thanksgiving, You Give Love a Bad Name by Bon Jovi takes over for the number one spot. Who And who really, I mean, honestly, who really didn't love that song and when it was out? I still love that it. That song was amazing. I you, still love it. Yeah. Yeah. You go, it's, that's another one of those driving songs where it comes on and you look down and you're doing like 95. <laughs> and, and that's a man who has aged gracefully. Yeah, he has. Oh, God, yeah. And the funniest thing is now, it's like... I'm sorry, what? <laughs> oh, God, yeah. <laughs> oh, my. He's, he's such a hunk. And his parking lots and his concerts haven't changed. Before, there were all minivans with people driving their kids to it, and now it's all the moms going to see him. So, movies. November 21st, Steven Spielberg's first ever animated feature film, An American Tale, is released and breaks the record once held by Disney's Rescuers for the largest financial amount made for an animated film opening weekend. Really? Fievel. I had a Fievel doll. Well, that's before Disney got their shit together and started doing stuff like Little Mermaid. and. Well, I'm sure that record's been broken by now, but it broke that rec- the current uh, record. Then. The rest, I like the Rescuers. Well, and they didn't have CDs yet, so, I mean, they could only break records. I liked American Tale, too. Somewhere. We're going to have a wowie. <laughs> Can I just say I hated an American Tale? Oh, no, you cannot. You cannot say that. Stop yeah. being me tonight. But you were were you a fan of Firewalker with Chuck <laughs> Norris and Louis Gossett Jr.? Well, who isn't? Mother <laughs> Teresa. Oh, uh, Louis uh-huh. Gossett Sr. He hated it. Oh, uh-huh. and uh, November twenty second, a sad day because Scatman Crothers dies at seventy six years old. God, a lot Z- of. Yeah, he also did uh, the voice uh, of uh, Jazz on Transformers. 
Joel oh, wait, that wasn't was... Scatman Brothers. <laughs> no, that no. was just Scatman. Ba 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 ba. Now, okay, refer- oh, Scatman Brothers once did a movie with Richard Mulligan called Mulligan White Guy. No, 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 it's crap. It's just gone. It's called Scavenger Hunt. Tell me some of you guys have seen this movie. I no. I know, but I've heard of it because of you talking about it. Richard Mulligan dresses up as a, as a mummy and Scatman Scruthers steals Scruthers? it. Scruthers? <laughs> Scatman Scruthers. I can't wait to get sports. All right. So uh, also, uh, November 29th, Cary Grant dies of a cerebral hemorrhage. Oh. Aw. Hey, hey, Joel, you got a Cary Grant impersonation? <laughs> I, I, I'm going to go with no. He's got an Amy Grant first impression. No, he was dead at that point, so what else am I going to say? Aww. 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 Do oh, that was his alive. impression. Yes. Uh, he he had a very distinct way of talking, darling. It was very distinct, but I can't copy it. Yeah, so, yeah just like no Sammy Davis Jr. <laughs> See, you forced me. You forced my hand, sir. I'll force your hand. Um, that was so like wait, TV. Really Jr. <laughs> <laughs> TV, Murder, She Wrote, is number four. Uh-oh. Acronym of the week, TGG. Uh, terrifying Gremlin Games. The Great Goat. The Great Goat. <laughs> the Golden it's, Girls. It's the Great Goat, Charlie Brown. <laughs> <laughs> Golden Girls is number five. 60 Minutes is number six. And Night Court is number seven. I still want to see Terrifying Gremlin Games. <laughs> is that anything like Circus of the Stars? Yes, but it's all gremlins. <laughs> I would so watch that. <laughs> A gremlin pole vaulter. <laughs> <laughs> this gremlin is attached to the face of Scott Bayo. <laughs> Watch as he tries to complete the 300-meter hurdles. <laughs> okay, so we all know who the top three shows were. It was Cosby Show, Family Ties, and My Mother the Car. Yes. <laughs> oh, no, it was not. It wasn't? My Mother the Car was only on for like a day, and it was not popular. Correct. I liked it. Cheers. All right. I hate with My Mother the Car. <laughs> November 28th, NBC's Ahmad Rashad's marriage proposal is accepted by Felicia Ayers Allen during the halftime of the Detroit Lions New York Jets football game. I don't know who any of those people are. Oh, yeah, you do. You know who Felicia, you know who Felicia Rashad Felicia. is. The Cosby yep. was Cosby. Oh, was this is Huxtable. Yep. Oh, then who's Ahmad Rashad? Her husband. <laughs> Her husband. He, yeah, I a believe former, he was he's a sports former running back. Yeah, he's a former oh, running okay. back. Current sportscaster. Well, that's kind of like putting a woman on the spot. <laughs> well, you, better, you better be real confident she's going to say yes. Yeah, the entire nation is watching you. Yeah, and if it's today's football players, they just don't take no for an answer. Ooh. <laughs> Sad. Kind of... Wow. <clears throat> Will you marry me? They say with a cocked fist. <laughs> That's a great name for a band, by the way. Will you marry me? <laughs> no, cocked, cocked fist. <laughs> All right. Sport on November 22nd, 1986. Mike Tyson. Mike Tyson. Tyson. <laughs> Did you, you fuck up the easy one? <laughs> I, I screw up my own name. Who's Mike Ty- Tyson? I've never Mike Tyson KOs Trevor Burbick. Burbick? In two Burbick. rounds for the heavyweight WBC boxing title. And Wayne Gretzky then fights Mike Tyson. <laughs> And becomes the 13th NHL player to score 500 goals. Now, I'm not a huge sports fan, but hockey amazes me. Yeah, because I can't even skate, much less like do everything else those guys do. Well, fight those, and, yeah, they backwards going 40 miles an hour on ice skates, passing. Yeah, with, a, with a hard puck coming at you at 120 miles an hour. Exactly. That's what she said. So, what? No, I said oh. puck. Puck. <clears throat> that cock fist. So, <laughs> anyway... <laughs> Miscellaneous, November 25th, 1986, Amber Hagerman was born. She was an American kidnapping and murder victim on the basis of the Ambler Alert System after her death in 1996. Also, Dr. Halfdan? Halfdan? I don't know. Halfdan? Halfdan Marr, I guess. Halfdan Marr, director of the World Health Organization, announced the first coordinated global effort to fight the disease AIDS. 
Yes, that is unconnected to the Amber Alert. Correct. Two separate things. Two well, separate miscellaneous facts that I thought were just kind of interesting. So. Now that we brought the show up, let's talk about <laughs> some. So, on to the main show. All right, so we know that Batman has, in a lot of ways, the best rogues gallery, maybe of all superheroes ever. I mean, he's in a lot of ways defined by the forces he opposes. And uh, over the years, uh, the Batman adversaries have appeared in comics, TV, movies. Movies. That's for you, Joel. (laughs) And, of course, video games. Um just looking at the various families of uh, Batman, you, we've talked a bit about some of the A-listers. Uh, of course, Joker, uh, Catwoman, Bane. Uh, Riddler. Riddler. Penguin. Riddler, Penguin. Poison Ivy. Uh, Freeze, Poison Ivy. The Red Hood, which is the Joker kind of. Right. Um, then the, you kind of slip down to the B-listers. Uh, kind of, I'd probably put Rajal Ghoul there because uh, until uh, recently, I think a lot of people didn't know who Rajal Ghoul was. Hmm. Not in the yeah, not the way they that. do now. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I get, one of the cool things about Ross, uh, his name means demon's head in Arabic. Uh, he's always wanted to bring balance to the planet. Doesn't matter how many people he's got to kill. Uh, he's got special mystic devices. He's one of the few, uh, Batman adversaries that from his outset has had a supernatural or superpowered origin. His, uh, immort- apparent immortality comes from these devices called Lazarus pits. And he's got near eternal life and he's, uh, the founder of the League of Assassins. Can I ask you a question? Yeah. Why is it that whenever anybody in any kind of whatever always wants to bring balance to something, it's always in a bad way. There's never a good guy trying to bring balance to anything by like bringing flowers to people. And what about tightrope man? But I'm just <laughs> saying, like, whenever you hear that phrase, I'm going to bring balance, it's always followed by bad things. That's what true. about the Jedis? They wanted to bring balance to the Force, right? Yeah, see no, how they that said worked that he, out was, for he was going to bring balance to the Force. <clears throat> oh. Yeah, that started with like Vader. So Damn it, Pat. Why do you have to be right sometimes? <laughs> <laughs> uh, moving on, I probably would put Scarecrow closer to the A list than the B list, but uh, recently, Jonathan, yes. Go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Talk a little bit about him. Oh, no, no I was just going to say that I think that, once again, the Nolan movies kind of brought him right. up a little bit, although I think in The Dark Knight they pushed him back down a little. Well, um, here's the thing is that he was, I don't know, I don't think he carries enough to be a full-on A-lister. You know, I think he's always going to be like the secondary foil. I don't think he's with his with the gas and all that. I think he's kind of one, I don't say one-dimensional, but... I mean, yeah, just he's a one-trick a, pony. Yeah, sure. he's got his gas, whereas, you know, this I'm going to spray you with the gas, I'm going to make you freak out, and then I'm going to either punch you or run away. Um, whereas the Joker... <laughs> Josh used to do that in college. <laughs> <laughs> spray you, punch you, run away. With gas, yes. Spray you with <clears throat> gas, punch you, run away, yeah. But in, in, think about it, though. In Batman begins he was legitimately a frightening character like i loved what they did with his character in batman begins i was like holy crap you know this could be a contender for one of the cooler villains i've seen that's just really just a normal guy that has a mask and some you know psychedelic yeah, again gas. without the gas though he's he's really nothing i mean the mask isn't going to do much if you don't have the influence of the gas no yeah. but that makes him that much more scary because yeah. he is but that's what we mean by a one-trick pony if without the gas he's he's really nothing yeah whereas yeah. you've got the joker and he i mean yeah yeah, he's got his like the trick Joker flower. can kill you with a pencil. So yeah, 
A good example of a Batman villain who is, I'd say, a C-lister, who is a very much like a Scarecrow, but he doesn't have ooh, the ooh. gas would be someone like... Can I uh, guess? Like, Let me guess. Yeah, go um, ahead. I'm going to go with Mad Hatter. No. No. Totally. I was going to say Hugo <laughs> Strange, because he's the same. he has the same sort of uh, psychological... He is a psychologist. He doesn't have any other powers. He's just a master behind-the-scenes manipulator. Yeah. I'll and give, I, I probably would have gone over, like, wouldn't have even known who Hugo Strange was if it wasn't for some of the video games. Well, I, I think totally there's missed him. rumor that he's going to be in Batman versus Superman. I've heard. Really? Yeah. yeah. That would be interesting. I've heard that rumor kicked around. Hmm. Yeah. And Hugo Strange is on the short list <clears throat> of, of villains who, without any special luck or whatever, through pure mental deduction, figured out Batman's secret identity is Bruce Wayne. Spoilers. So. Wait, Batman is... What? It all makes sense now, doesn't it? That makes it? Gotham yeah. make a lot more sense. <laughs> all right. Um, drifting probably f- deeper into... Now, we're still solidly in B2C-list uh, territory. We've got Clayface, who's had multiple incarnations, but he's probably best known, especially <clears throat> in the early days, as Basil Carlo, the actor. Mm-hmm. See, I put Clayface into this category of team-ups. Sure. You don't often see Clayface just running a gig on his own. You always see it's Clayface is working with the Joker, or Clayface is working with the Riddler, or Clayface has been hired by so-and-so. I think he's one of those, like, I also like the Killer Croc. Sure. You know, that's another really good example. Yeah, he's not a not a character that's going to be initially the antagonist unless there's somebody else of a bigger uh, bigger weight class going up with him. Well, you know something interesting about Clayface. Oh, sorry. Um, No, go ahead. When I was reading the greatest Joker's when I was reading the greatest Joker stories ever told, one of the stories in there had Clayface in it, and there was this like rivalry between him and Joker that I didn't know was a thing, but they like were trying to top each other. Hmm. I don't know. Um, I was surprised when we were doing our research for this show uh, in sort of the same category as Clayface and Killer Croc. I put them on the same level in that B to C lister. Uh, how old the character of Solomon Grundy was just in terms of continuity. I don't know if we're starting to drift out of where, uh, Pat, do you even know who Solomon Grundy is? Just from the couple comic books I read during the comic book week. Well, yeah. he was uh, he was on um, the Justice League or Super Friends or whatever. Oh, that's true. Did yeah, I mean... He's based on the old nursery rhyme, Solomon Grundy, born on a Monday, died on Tuesday, buried on Wednesday. And he's this massive zombie creature that is virtually immortal. He was apparently originally not a Batman rogues gallery. He was a golden age Green Lantern villain. Oh, was he Green Lantern? Yeah, because he has so much wood in his zombie body. Apparently, he could not be (laughs) affected by the power ring. Sorry. Yeah, well, I mean, he was resurrected originally by being thrown in, I don't know, couple hunt like a hundred years ago into the slaughter swamp so i will say that the solomon grundy battle is one of my favorite battles from the uh, arkham asylum games yeah and it's interesting that like i think we're going to be talking more about the b listers in the more modern games but you get down to the c and d listers when you talk about <clears throat> the early games especially like the nes well i think really? in the we're talking like e or f lister <laughs> How far down does this list go? This list goes... I mean, he's got... Okay. The Condiment King (laughs) is a villain who makes use of various condiments, sometimes capable of causing anaphylactic shock as his weapons. Shut up. Is that real? That is real. It is on the DC Wikipedia. That sounds like a modern day guy. Like, aha, there's a peanut allergy at the school. (laughs) His name in the New Earth comics, he's known as Mitchell Mayo or Buddy Standler. Oh, wow. I bet you he's dumb. delicious with peanut butter. He's got a tank on his back <laughs> with uh, ketchup and mustard shooters. 
Wow. Wow. That's um, some mystery man shit right there. A couple of the bad guys that you do see in this early 1989 uh, the SN, no, NES game would be Firebug, yeah. uh, who has had a couple of different incarnations. I think Firebug is actually one of the bosses before you get to Joker. Mm. He also um, shows up in the, the Batman uh, TV show. Yeah. Really? Uh, yep. Maxi Zeus. Uh, Maxi Zeus is one of the dumbest... He's basically a history teacher who goes crazy and believes he's Zeus. He doesn't have any powers. Sounds like something Pat would do. That's just <laughs> this dude. I am Poseidon. Like, it's like, I'm Zeus now. I'm going to use these electricity-based weapons. Or he, he just like, dress up like a swan and try to have sex with random women. <laughs> that sounds pretty, like a good time. <laughs> since, we're sort of, since we're sort of transitioning there, uh, how many of us actually played Batman the video game. It was uh, based on the Batman movie. The NES uh, one? Yeah. Yes. That game was fantastic. That one, imagine um, Ninja Gaiden, but Batman. Yeah, pretty much. The basic enemies are Maxi Zeus, Deadshot, KG Beast, Heatwave, Shakedown, and Night Slayer. Uh, looks like the bosses are Firebug, as I already mentioned, Killer Moth, the Electrocutioner, a couple of different machine bosses, the Machine Intelligence System, and the Dual Container Alarm. And of course, the final boss is the Joker. Wow, killer! Yeah, this moth. game was hard. Yeah, it was. That mastering the wall jump on that game was ridiculously difficult. Is that what you were talking about last week? Yeah, because it's it, and the thing was like it. It was a new, totally new mechanic for an NES game because you would get to this area and you would jump at the wall, but you couldn't just like bounce back and forth. You had to time it for Batman to grab the wall and kind of look in the opposite direction, and then you would hit it. And then once you got that rhythm down, you'd get to the very top, miss the miss the hit on the t- on right before you got up to the top and fall all the way down to the bottom again. Yeah, and the clock tower level, that was the final level in this game. Uh, I remember wall, uh, wall jumping was really important. Mm-hmm. Wow, this looks... I mean, I'm just looking at the graphics right now, and it's kind of crazy looking. Yeah, this was uh, developed and published by Sunsoft. Uh, as we, This one was 1989, very loosely based on the Tim Burton movie, mm-hmm. which we will be talking about in our next show. Yes. But I I love this game. This one I I had this one and played it to death and never finished it. But it was one of those that you just had to go back and play some more. I thought it's cool that they managed to use Deadshot sort of a, as a basic enemy. Uh, Deadshot's another uh, enemy that you see appear multiple times. Uh, I think that uh, I, I mix up him and some other characters. Isn't Deadshot also pretty big on Arrow right now? The well, yeah, TV he's part show? of the Suicide Squad. Yeah. Deadshot, yeah, he's, I think, I'm pretty sure he's big on Arrow. Oh, yeah, oh. yeah, he is one of the big, big bads in Arrow. Oh, wait, not Suicide Squad. That's, I'm yeah. thinking. No, you're right. He is, he's totally Suicide Squad, uh, more recently. Oh, uh, am I thinking of the right guy? Yeah, I guess yeah. so. Yeah, Deadshot. He's got uh, the... Floyd Lawton. He's basically a sniper. He's, uh, been a member of the Suicide Squad and the Secret Six. And never misses and has, Patrick, you'd like this, sniper rifles on either of his arms. What? Yep. That's not possible. A pair of silenced wrist-mounted sniper rifles. How come Charlie isn't bitching about that? Because <sighs> I'm thinking of though. We just brought it up. That's why <laughs> we won't hear about him. We won't hear him bitching about it probably like till January. <laughs> so, but um, but no. After the release of the movie, Batman was a hot commodity in video games, and they had a lot of releases of different 16 and 8-bit versions of Batman the game. Uh, came out for the Game Boy, the NES, Sega Genesis. Uh, if we really want to get weird, the PC Engine. Also yep. had a, I had one of those. Um, also, the cool thing is there was an arcade version. Batman the arcade game uh, 
at back then, you know, everybody had an arcade game. Uh, it was like the X-Men and that sort of thing. This one was a side-scroller beat-em-up. Unfortunately, it, wasn't, it was a single player because Batman works alone. Uh, did you Unless ever... He has a partner. That's true. Mm-hmm. Did you ever uh, play the Game Boy Batman the Animated Series cartridge? No, no but I'm looking for it. Oh, it, it's so awesome. Uh, various major enemies appear in the game as bosses. We've already talked a little bit about Joker, Scarecrow, uh, Catwoman, Poison Ivy, the Riddler, the Penguin, and of course, Mr. Freeze, which I've always found, uh, aside from his appearance in various movie incarnations, Victor Freeze has been one of the more sympathetic Batman villains, probably in the entire his story Rogue's is gallery. really tragic. I, I will. Oh, you can get that for 15 bucks on eBay. What, his nice. story? Yeah, Batman the Animated Series game. And I still have my original Game Boy Pocket, so cool. Um, <laughs> no, the thing, the, the cool thing about his story is that it is, like you said, tragic. It's one of those where the guy is just trying to do, do good to the woman he loves. Yep. Because the whole story behind him is that his wife became extremely ill, uncurable. He froze her and in doing this accidentally set himself off as Mr. Freeze. So you have to kind of like get splashed with the chemicals type of thing. Now his wife has been frozen in this block of ice until he can find a way to cure her. So everything quote unquote evil that he does is all trying to find a cure for his wife. Yeah, and that version of the uh, origin, which is now uh, accepted as the official one in most uh, incarnations of Mr. Freeze, actually was first told in Batman the Animated Series. Really? Yeah, in the Silver Age, he was just a rogue scientist who decided to make an ice gun and uh, accidentally spilled the chemicals using it on himself and became a freeze themed villain in the modern age uh he got his name of victor freeze um his he picked up his wife nora but uh, he was working on the freeze ray and his boss interfered in his project and his wife nora was killed uh during the an experiment to put her into cry, uh, cryostasis and the explosion ended up giving freeze his powers mm-hmm. So they, they kind of like took that story and developed it for Batman, the animated series. And I, I think it resonated with a lot of people, which is why it's now considered like his official uh, origin, which uh, the episode was Heart of Ice. Okay. And that's and that's nice about that. About well, it's cool about him is that it's almost it almost parallels Batman where his wife is killed by this accident by his his uh boss interfering and he's doing this he became this was created this out of the death of his loved one Oh, what's awesome. Here's a direct quote. The more complex, tragic character was enthusiastically accepted by fans and has become the standard portrayal for the character in most forms of media, including the comic book series itself, which previously had Mr. Freeze casually killed off by the Joker. Freeze was resurrected in the comic right after the episode aired. Really? That's very cool. So casually killed like he's in a hammock, but he's no owl man. He is no owl man who, uh, from the beginning was designed to be the sort of natural predator. We talked in the comics about how the concept of owl man was sort of reinvented as the talons in the court of owls, but that's mm-hmm. not the way it always was. No, owl man originally was the, un- he didn't even have a name. And he was the basically the uh, opposite of Batman. The evil Batman was how they uh, played him off. Back like Badzaro? Uh, not quite as stupid. Oh. <laughs> um, what about Poison Ivy? How do you guys feel about Poison Ivy? Mm-hmm. 
I, I mean, <laughs> she's uh, got. A, I agree with that. Yeah, she's got a really interesting like set of powers. It's not all just plants. There's the whole pheromone and make uh, men fall in love with her kind of thing going on. Mm-hmm. Uh, originally, she was really, really dumb villain when she first appeared in the '60s. She was just a temptress who uh, she was basically in a one-piece strapless green bathing suit that was covered with leaves, and she just basically was pretty. That was it. Well, what do they need back then? Yeah, that's all. Just like, work. oh, green bathing suit, high heels, leaves. You're a villain now. What a hussy! <laughs> but uh, she actually was promoted uh, as they trans transform the character after feminism became popular and uh, they wanted more female lead villains. So mm-hmm. she was constantly used to replace uh, this increasingly sympathetic Catwoman as a definitely villainous foil for Batman. See, there's one that uh, is kind of weird because the Catwoman has a weird love-hate relationship with Batman in the comics. Mm-hmm. Whereas she's almost an anti-heroine. Yeah, exactly. And where it's like her attraction to Batman and her fondness for Batman kind of makes her toe the line of being a good guy, bad guy most of the time. But then usually she gets, you know, sees something sparkly in the shape of a cat and has to have it. But uh, I like I like how they have that playoff between the two of them is that there's this, I guess, sexual tension between the two of them. Yeah, she reminds me a little bit of a Bond girl where there's that particular kind of Bond girl that you don't know whose side she's really on, whether she's on the villain side, her own side or Bond's side and how much of the feeling she pretends to have for the hero or real or not, or if she's just doing her own agenda. Mm-hmm. Patrick, you got any, yes, sir. you got any villains that you can pick off the top of your head? Uh, egghead. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, we're tired. Ty- we're sort of drifting down into the, uh, the dregs of the, uh, <laughs> hang on. Well, I mean, I only remember him because Vincent Price played him in the Adam West show. All right. Egghead, looking him up on the DC Wikipedia right now. He has no information yet. Oh. It looks like he was pretty much only in the 1966 series, and then he showed up in 92 in the comic Batman Shadow of the Bat. Uh, he made his debut in comics uh, as an inmate of Arkham Asylum. So he was yeah. basically a throwaway character when he actually showed up in the uh, in the comics. Hmm. Yeah, he believes uh, himself to be the world's smartest criminal, and his crimes usually have an egg motif to them. Of course they Excellent. do. Uh, what do you think about Mad Hatter, Jervis Tetch? Because he shows up in the video games a lot. Who's that? The uh, Mad Hatter. Hey, oh yeah. Oh sorry. Yeah, Mad Hatter shows up. I mean, I think the he has this. Uh, he gets a hat on you. He puts a little card in your hat or something like that. Then he winds. You wind up getting mind controlled by him. And one of the neat things has been that he can do almost like a uh, scarecrow-esque psychological trauma on mm-hmm. Batman if he gets the card on him. And it's again, he's kind of like a one-trick pony because you got to either get something on your head or get close enough to put a card on your hat. But I think it's kind of a cool concept. I like the whole motif of him. Yeah, there's a whole like fairy tale and other characters uh, sub theme. And he's one of the more uh, popular ones. Uh, his typical motivation is he wants Batman's cowl. He just basically wants to take Batman's hat. And uh, I guess in more recent years, uh, they have turned him in taken him in a very much darker direction uh gotham central which i talked about being one of the primary uh, influences on gotham he was a violent schizophrenic and when you get to arkham asylum a serious house on serious earth uh they even suggest he's a pedophile Ooh, whoa yeah. yikes 
Well, that's kind of up in the stakes a little bit. Yeah, that's about as uplifting as your This Week in ending. Oh. Well. So, c- continuing on uh, uplifting villains, uh, I want to talk a little bit about Victor Zaz. Zaz is just straight up creepy. Uh, he's basically just a serial killer, usually depicted as bald. And every time he cu- kills a victim, he cuts a scar into his body, listing off. He does like the four cross hatches and then the slash across to represent a fifth. And he's got a special spot on his body that is uh, represented for Batman. I have never seen this guy before. I just looked him up. He is creepy. Me either. What the heck's going on with that? Wow. Yikes. Yeah, we'll t- talk a little bit more about Zaz later in the show when we start talking about the more modern video games, because that uh, was one of I had heard of him before and seen him in the comics. But uh, I really liked him once I got to play some of the Arkham games. All right. What about uh, um, Two-Face? We haven't talked about him yet. No, we have not talked about Two-Face. Mr. Harvey Dent. Who was not portrayed by Billy D. Williams. No, that's so sad. (laughs) I don't know what would have happened. He would have been like, all right, Batman, I'm going to kill you now. You know, but first. Who took over over that role in the second Batman movie? Uh, I don't. I think he might have been in Batman Returns. But when by the time the Passover was to Schumacher, uh, we're talking Billy D. Williams. I'm sorry, uh, Tommy Lee Jones. Okay, yeah, that's yeah. right. Tommy well, hold Lee on, Jones. I'm on. I'm on the webpage here for Batman Returns. Let's see. I'm sure that's going to come up in our next episode when we actually talk about those films. Good point. Well, if you say so, Tim. <laughs> Maybe movies. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, so you were saying Two-Face, you're a fan or you just wanted to talk about him? No, I just noticed we hadn't talked about him yet was all. That's true. I mean, I like him. I, I like him. He's a great villain. I, I think what's interesting is he's got a very clearly defined weakness as the character develops. Like he get, becomes to the point where he is incapable of making decisions without uh, consulting some form of random element. Usually his coin, but in later incarnations, he had to roll dice or use cards even. Hmm. Hmm. I wasn't aware of that. Well, he's part of the main cadre of uh, villains, bad guys. Well, yeah, 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 they always include him in anything. Yeah, the classics rogue gallery, which is where you usually take uh, all of the bad guys for the earlier video games from. Yeah, I'd say the main Catwoman, uh, Joker, Riddler. Oh, Riddler. Did you guys talk about Riddler? We have no, not I talked have... about Riddler. I like the Riddler. I know Josh is a fan. I think uh, just the... I think. He's so freaking condescending to Batman. Yeah, it's really interesting because I I like the Riddler in the comics, but uh, aside from Frank Gorshin, I have disliked almost every portrayal of him on screen, whether big screen or small. I didn't like John Astin. I don't like him in Gotham. He's like one of the few things that doesn't work for me in the Gotham TV show. He's kind of twitchy in Gotham. Yeah. He's like the please be my friend guy. You didn't like Jim Carrey? (sighs) We'll get to that next week. Yeah. <laughs> Hold your thoughts. Uh, but he, he he does have the distinction of being Batman's smartest foe, regardless of what Egghead thinks. And he's got an astounding suit. He does have an astounding suit. <laughs> <laughs> one like of the in in the way, vein of villains, one of the other things that I like about Batman's uh, the bad guys is that there is organized crime within this also as we're seeing in gotham with uh falcone and maroney are the two big bosses that have carried over even they're in the animated series um they were in the movies also oh yeah they're a big part of uh gotham central again yeah i mean it's it's almost like you have these this army of crazy costumed villains that'll occasionally get together and fight but then you have these two 
two mob bosses are trying to take over Gotham. They have that whole mob fight going on between the two of them. They don't trust each other, but they do dislike and occasionally go after the other costumed villains on occasion. Well, yeah, and you've got uh, the occasional character who actually straddles that line between a classic rogues gallery and just mob. I'm thinking in particular of the ventriloquist and Scarface. Oh, he's so weird. Yeah, I mean, the ventriloquist is just a mild-mannered guy, but his psychological <clears throat> damage is that Scarface, who's basically a puppet of Al Capone, uh, basically mm. controls him. Yeah. Imagine an accountant with uh, multiple personalities, and his other personality is Al Capone. Sure. But he can only talk through a wooden puppet, and that's... Yeah, a wooden puppet that carries a Tommy gun. Yeah. Alrighty. And he's really afraid of it, too. That's the thing. It's his other personality, and he's terrified of this puppet. Why would anyone live in Gotham? <laughs> that, is, that is the question of the ages. Low taxes. Yeah. They're like, we won't tax a damn thing. Just live here. And then Penguin and Catwoman show up, and they're like, oh, no. the Penguin. What about Penguin? Oswald Chesterfield Cobblepot. I uh, oh yeah, you were talking about crime bosses. There, there you go. Yeah, and I originally in all we saw the Penguin as like a B list, not one of the A list, until I started watching Gotham. And the way they're portraying him in Gotham is just amazing, as being this manipulative, under the under the radar type of I'm I'm playing everybody at the same time and getting away with it type thing. Then you have Danny DeVito. Well, right. Which he played it pretty sinister and, and dark. Mm -hmm. I mean, it, it was a little bit... Because originally, you know, you think of Burgess Meredith's portrayal was how I was introduced before the comic, you know, before reading the comics, really. Mm -hmm. So that was my impression. So seeing Danny DeVito's portrayal was kind of the opposite. <laughs> yeah. Um, for as dark as the Danny DeVito character was, have you seen him in the video games? In yes. Arkham? I definitely want to revisit this in the second half of we'll, the show yeah, and we'll talk get back about him it. in Arkham. Yeah. Because the original depiction of the Penguin in 1941 was apparently inspired by the then advertising mascot for cool cigarettes. Burgess yeah. Meredith. No, nope. no, they actually had a penguin with a top hat and a cane uh, to advertise cool in the 40s. Wow. So they took the top hat and changed it into an umbrella and decided that this was going to be their inspiration for this nightclub owner who has his own nightclub called the Iceberg Lounge. And he would be another one, like you were saying, who is on the street level, kind of mob level, but he's also one of Batman's greatest foes. So that means somewhere in an alternate universe, Joe Camel is a Batman villain. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> I wonder if his connection to cigarettes is reflected in his uh, middle name as Chesterfield. Yeah, Chesterfield oh. cigarettes were, were a brand. Yeah. So. That's, that's just a, a speculation on my part that those are directly kind of a nod to the cool cigarettes. I think that makes sense, though. I mean, that's cool. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Got any more villains? Uh, we've got... Plenty uh, that uh, appear more in recent days. I mean, we've got a lot of like really down in the dregs, even lower than like Maxi Zeus, uh, Rat Catcher, Ooh. who's basically the Pied Piper. <clears throat> yeah. I mean, there's, oh. I mean, he has so many. Because literally back in the, uh, the Golden Age comics, we know how we had commented that Gotham was like villain of the week. That's how they were writing the comic back then. Who is he going to be fighting now type of thing? Uh, we have left out a couple of villains who are really important to Batman in his origins as Bruce Wayne. Uh, I'm f first thinking of Hush. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you guys have ever read the issues. Uh, he is a little bit more modern. We're talking like 2002. 
but uh, Hush is kind of a dark reflection of Bruce Wayne. Uh, he's typically a Batman enemy, but uh, he grew up with Bruce Wayne. Uh, he was born into a wealthy family, uh, planned to kill his parents in order to inherit their fortune. Huh. Uh, he despises his parents. Uh, when he uh, attempts to off his parents, uh, Thomas Wayne, brilliant surgeon that he is, basically saves them. Hmm. Uh, at least saves his mother. It looks like the car crash when the kid cuts his parents' brakes actually does kill his father. But yeah, he ends up in a psychiatric ward and his life in a lot of ways parallels Bruce. And there's a whole series of comics where Hush, uh, in his supervillain persona, pursues Batman while Tommy Elliott uh, nurses his grudge against childhood friend Bruce Wayne. Okay. I have, I have not read Hush. Nope. Yeah. Nope. Gorilla Boss. Gorilla Boss. Gorilla Boss. Gorilla Gorilla Grod. No boss. What are you talking about? Gorilla Boss. I'm just looking at this list that somebody put up, and there's a Gorilla. Oh, geez, yeah, Gorilla Boss is a thing. The uh, George Boss Dyke is executed in the gas chamber, but has his brain transplanted into the body of a huge gorilla. Sounds about right. What? Batman number 75, 1950. Oh, my God. Yeah, I'm looking. Uh, eventually, uh, Sinestro steals Gorilla Boss's cerebellum and makes it the size of a planet. <laughs> 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 and uses it as a power source until it is destroyed by Superman. How is nice. this not showing up on the DC wiki? Why is this not in Gotham yet? Uh, yeah. <laughs> 1953. Uh, later, however, the gorilla boss is returned back to his gorilla body and is used as a pawn by Gorilla Grodd. I just had this image of this giant cranium, planet-sized cranium with this little bitty gorilla stuck to the bottom of it. <laughs> <laughs> you blew it up. Damn you all the hell. This is so heavy. I think... Is the gorilla boss Jewish? <laughs> well, you'd be, you'd be speaking with a lot of strain if you were holding a planet-sized cerebellum. True story. I think before we go to break, there's one that we do need to talk about, though, from 1993. Um, Dr. Aesop. <clears throat> no. Magpie. A little more prolific. Double dare. Mr. Polka Dot. Flamingo. The Toastmaster. Jack and Apes. Jack and Apes. It's a gorilla in a clown costume that wields a machete and a submachine gun. Ooh. Ooh. Ooh I like that. Let's talk about that. Well, I was just thinking Bane, but if you want to talk about gorillas. <laughs> well, we had another one, Ogre we, and Ape. Yeah. There's a lot of apes and, and primates and things. Here, I'm going to post a link to the. You tell me that if you saw this guy coming around the corner at you, you wouldn't just freak out for Jack and Apes. It's a terrible okay. name, though. Here's a great villain name, Professor Carl Kruger. <laughs> Isn't he on Archer? Didn't he teach sociology? <laughs> yeah, that was the guy that we used to act with at Concordia. <laughs> Jazz man? Yeah, Jack and Apes is really just a gorilla in a crown, clown costume with a machine gun. Oh, and a machete. How about that? Yep. So they sometimes they, the villains were not so good. Sometimes they were not so good. But uh, Some days about- they had ventilation in DC Comics. Some days they didn't have so much <laughs> ventilation. <laughs> I think so one of the yeah one of the characters created went on a days where they could actually breathe oxygen would be Bane. Yes. Now I know we're going to talk about it in the movies, but I am more of a fan of the comic Bane. Yeah, he's established in the story uh, we talked a little bit about in the comics. Uh, Nightfall. He was uh, originally born in the Caribbean Republic of Santa Prisca. He was actually born in prison. Uh, his father was a revolutionary who had uh, escaped their court system, and the uh, corrupt government decreed that the, his infant son would serve out uh, the man's life sentence. So he was uh, kept in the uh, crazy uh, Caribbean prison, Peña Dura. 
Yes, and he is the son of, later shown to be son of the villain King Snake. Mm-hmm. But uh, I I know we're going to talk about the movies later, but the Bane in the comics, just this huge freaking luchador with all those cables and tubes coming out of his back, is pretty freaking frightening. Especially and what's he- crazy is, like, you look at Bane and you figure he's going to be big and dumb. And he sure is big, but he is not dumb. No, and that's that's the... That's the off-putting thing about him is that he's a strategist. He's got a complete and utter devotion to his cause. But I don't know. I so wanted to see the cables and tubes in the movie. (laughs) Yeah, and unfortunately, the version of Bane that we got that did have cables and tubes was not so great. No, not at all. That was once again something for the next show. Yeah. So before we, do you want to do favorite villain now, or you want to save it to the end? Yeah, let's talk about like favorite classic age villain because I know we're going to be revisiting a lot of these characters when we talk about their appearance in more modern contexts. Considering most of the modern villains that didn't appear in the classic era are pretty dumb, including some of our friends from our less favorite TV shows. Hmm. All right, let's start with the non-comic fan first, Patrick. Yes, sir. What's your favorite Batman villain? Hmm, that's a good question. I was not prepared for that. Uh, We've only been talking about them for the last half an hour. Yeah, but I don't really think about them. No, I'm kidding. Uh, <laughs> you wrote your doctoral dissertation about them. <laughs> yeah, but it was on Dr. Phosphorus. It wasn't about... <laughs> that's true. <laughs> um, I would I, I would honestly have to either go with Joker or Two-Face. Okay. Yeah, c- could I just say, well, like, Joker, uh, if Joker's your favorite, we could just say, like, your favorite aside from Joker. Yeah, because, I mean, he's going to be everybody's favorite, really. Yeah, it's like, what's your favorite character in Scooby-Doo? Uh, Scooby-Doo. <laughs> no. <laughs> but I guess. Mr. Withers? It's always Daphne. <laughs> he's a redhead Daphne. How about you, Mike? Uh, Well, okay. Joker's the top. Other than the Joker, I'm going to have to go with Catwoman, just because there's you never really know who she's playing for at the time. You know, she's back in Batman right now, but we, you know, you're never really sure is she going to turn on him or is it just a whole ploy to get to whatever it is that she wants or is she actually, you know, like in the comics now she's like defending the east side of Gotham. It's turned into like a little bat, you know, helping out down there trying to keep the crime in play, but it's always this if you've read like um what are they called? The Vixens of Gotham? Something like that. There's a series of comics where uh, Catwoman, Harley Quinn, and Poison Ivy are all... <laughs> sounds so stupid when I say it out loud. <laughs> are all roommates. <laughs> they all get... They're out of... Out of Arkham Asylum, and they get a uh, they rent they start a band. Yeah, they start a band, and they get this dog that talks. Um, but no, the the first uh, issue of it is the effect that being related to a super criminal is has on you. Where the whole first issue of these comics is about her sister and how her sister, in being you know, it's not like she kept her identity super secret. You kind of knew who she was with Selena Kyle, but in the uh, comic, her sister is actually persecuted a lot and come after by a lot of the villains in an attempt to hurt Catwoman, and she goes completely bat batshit insane, uh-huh. and she's locked, and she's winds up getting uh, put away at Arkham, and there's this whole story where you really feel sympathetic to Catwoman, the choices that she's made, and how it's affected her family because, like, her sister sees her as this demon has. Personified Catwoman as this demon that has destroyed her life 
because now she has all these supervillains that have come after her time and time again. And Catwoman is like the, winds up being the antithesis of what her sister is supposed to be. And you really feel kind of, you know, feel kind of sad for her because she's messed up everything in her relationship with her sister because her sister's gone off the deep end because of how many times this stuff has happened. So I'm going with Catwoman. All right. Uh, before I give mine, I have to clarify that I, I knew it wasn't right. We were talking about um, Deadshot. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking of Deathstroke. Uh, they, uh, both characters have been on Arrow, but Deathstroke was a member. Well, oh, okay. Deathstroke is the one I was thinking of, not Deadshot. Okay. Gotcha. Um, and so, but anyway, Deathstroke is, I've got three and I'm not quite sure which way to go. So I'm going to go with Deathstroke, um, Black Mask, and Scarecrow. Oh, I was sure you're going to choose Charlie Caligula. No. Since, since we actually bypassed over Black Mask, you want to tell us a little bit about him, Joel? He, I don't want to mess up like I did on Deathstroke. <laughs> um, he is Roman Sionis, I guess is how you say his name. Mm-hmm. Um, born to a wealthy and utterly self-absorbed parents. Um, he's kind of like a, I mean, I would equate him with being like a mob boss to some extent. Is that? I'd say that he's so a mob boss, sure. Accurate. Um and he wears a like a well, he's got like a black skull and guns and stuff. I don't know what else to tell you. He usually carries guns. I mean, he's uh, he it's, he's mostly awesome. just about no, no. I mean, it's mostly just about <laughs> it's it's more psychological than an actual like you know he's not like a supervillain. Like he's not got freeze guns or you know he doesn't have things that bulk him up and make him into some sort of superman that can break Batman's back. He's just brutal and sadistic and i don't know he's just a really cool looking character and he's i don't know he's fun he's also like. one of the few characters that uh usually doesn't position himself in opposition to batman so much as he is in opposition to bruce wayne i mean he had multi-millionaire parents who died he inherited their fortune and he's always been jealous of uh wayne and wayne enterprises um, his company that he was running into bankruptcy was saved by a buyout from Wayne Enterprises. And that was pretty much why he ends up hating Bruce so much. And his, uh, wooden black mask is actually carved from his dad's coffin. Ooh, that's creepy. Yeah. Yeah. So. I don't, don't know too much about him, but I've, we've talked about him on a, one of my other shows. We talked about him and he's just sounded like a really cool character. So I learned a little yeah. bit, but so. in, yeah, in addition to being a mob boss, he also leads a cult called the false facers. Oh, well you got to diversify. Yeah. Well, you can't survive. if You don't diversify, diversify. I can't talk. Damn it. Josh, what about you, man? Okay. Of course there's Joker. Like Joker will probably be my second tattoo. It is my, to date, my only pop figure, but saying that we're not counting Joker, I'm going to have to go with Rajal Ghul. Hmm. Um, one of the things I love about Raz is that his uh, motivation comes from his nearly 450 years of life, where he uh, starts out as someone who just loves the world, travels the world, and sees industrialization happen, and sees the, the world being destroyed by the march of technology. And he becomes one of the few eco-terrorist-type villains in all of comics that doesn't just become a dumb parody of people who care about the planet. Most of them have this weird, like, hippie, oh, I hate humanity, I'm gonna throw bombs or whatever. Or even uh, Poison Ivy does that a little bit, where he has decided that he is going to use his vast wealth accumulated over all these years, his supernatural Lazarus pits, making him virtually immortal, and his League of Assassins, this international organization, to cull humanity whenever it's getting out of control. And he respects... Uh, Bruce Wayne and Batman so much he f- 
uh, considers him an equal and wants him to take over if he ever dies permanently. And of course, he is the father of Talia Al Ghul and the grandfather of Damian Wayne. So I'm a big fan of Roz. Awesome. I mean, he's got a killer mustache. Sure, yeah. Those uh, like mutton chops that come up into the mustache, and he's got almost like little Wolverine hair with a little bit of gray. Mm-hmm. I like yeah, it. Yeah. Looks badass. All right. So, uh, Patrick. Yes, sir. Remember um, Pig and uh, Toad? Yeah. Pig and Toad? Yes. Yeah. They yeah are... We're getting into Grant Morrison era. Do we want to take a break before we go into Grant Morrison? Well, I'm going to, before we do that, I'm just going to quick say, because it was in, like, it was in the, uh, the cartoon that we watched. Yes. The Batman. Or, uh, uh, no, Beware the Batman. Beware the Batman. Yeah. It was part of a assemblage led by Professor Pig called Circus of Strange. With Professor Pig, Mr. Toad, Big Top, who is a morbidly obese bearded lady in a tutu, Siam, who has conjoined triplets, and then Phosphorus Rex. Phosphorus Rex is a genteel Englishman with flaming head and hands. So, that sounds really dumb. Winners all around. <laughs> <laughs> so Yeah, you're talking like definitely a more modern. And I kind of want to get back into that after the break because uh, it's one of the Grant Morrison, like Damian Wayne era villains. Yep. All right. Grant Morrison. Awesome. Yeah. His villains, not so much. No. His main characters, kick ass. All right. Well, let's go to break and we'll be back in a little bit. One. Hey, folks, we are back, and we're going to talk about uh, some video games now. Yeah, I want to uh, revisit, since uh, we're talking a little bit about uh, the Circus of Strange and Professor Pig, because uh, we all had some not very kind things to say about Professor Pig, and he was pretty dumb in Beware the Batman. But uh, I actually did some digging on this character, and Professor Pig is less dumb than I thought originally. He's uh, As portrayed in the comics, uh, I kind of wish this guy had showed up in a video game. Because he's got this pig mask, but his whole thing is freaking twisted. He basically uh, kidnaps people, melts doll masks onto their faces, and uh, mind controls them and sends them out as dollotrons. Okay. Freaking twisted. Yeah, he almost did. What does he did... need a belching frog for then? Well, yeah. they were part of the Circus of Strange. So. Otherwise, it doesn't match the shoes. <laughs> it's the best excuse I can give for that. I'm sorry. <laughs> what? Well, and it looks like the uh, Mr. Toad in the Circus of Strange doesn't actually have any powers. He's just a uh, mutant little toad, toad with man? a Cockney accent. So they so they just gave him these special powers in that Batman show? Yes. Makes that Batman show even worse. Apparently, if he it- does make uh, a cameo along with Professor Pig in the Knights of Tomorrow uh, in uh, The Brave and the Bold. Uh, he shows yes. up with uh, Professor Pig in the Club of Villains. Yes, I do recall that when I was binge-watching Brave and the Bold. It wasn't so, present. And I guess one of Red Hood's uh, outlaws, uh, I talked a little bit about how when Jason Todd came back, he took on Red Hood. One of Red Hood's outlaws gang members is a Dolotron that managed to shake off the mind control but still couldn't remove the mask from her face, a character named Scarlet. 
That's creepy. So, yeah, I guess Professor Pig, as far as that whole Grant Morrison era, was actually a pretty major villain in that time where I wasn't really reading Batman comics from like 2007 to 2012-ish. Huh. Yeah, right before the new 52. All the pig you, news you needed. <laughs> All right. Now, so. now with 100% less, beware the Batman. Less. Uh, oh, one of the reasons we yes. wanted to revisit all of these villains was because at least Mike and I, and I know Joel, you've played them somewhat a little bit. There's the Arkham series of games. Yes. Yeah, I played, I own, uh, the game of the year edition for Arkham Asylum and I've been playing through it again, uh, this week. Well, let's, um, I'm trying to look at there's, there were some games that were released. They're not as nearly as popular uh, before this one. Before All right, let's Arkham run them Go. down. Well, uh, let's. We'll start at 2000. There was actually a Batman Beyond video game on N64 PlayStation style called Return of the Joker. Uh, game Boy Color, Batman Chaos and Gotham. A PlayStation game called Batman Gotham City Racer, which take the Batman the Animated Series and turn it into a uh, like a racing game. Okay, which is kind of cool. Uh, kind of similar. Actually, I don't know. I put posted to the uh, Facebook page the um, Batman stand-up arcade machine that I played this weekend. Oh, Did you guys see the picture? It, and it's essentially, it's break it down. It's just a, like a driving battle game where you have the Joker's uh, minions in the, uh, in the cars ahead of you and you have to shoot this. There's like one specific one that has the hostage or whatever and you have to catch that one without shooting it and that sort of thing. But the cool thing about it was that you got to choose from about half a dozen different Batmobiles. Hmm, so you had nice. the original Batman, uh, uh, from the TV show. You had the Batman, uh, the Batmobile from the animated series. And, you know, it's, you've got the triggers in the front and you fire in the missiles and you have your bat gadgets. What was so cool about it was I came into the game, just totally blew up the car on the initial first run, first time I played it, because I was expecting physics. <laughs> the Batmobile in this game turns exactly like you'd expect the Batmobile to turn. You turn left, it makes a 90 degree turn and turns left. It's, it's like playing, it's like playing a cartoon. It was a lot of fun. <laughs> um, but yeah, check it out on the Facebook page. It, it's very cool. If I can ever in my life have, uh, you know, like arcade games, that'd be one that I like to play over and over again. But at a buck a pop nowadays. So, but, um, there's a lot of Batman games that have come out just because people love to cash in on the names. But there's Bat Batman Dark Tomorrow came out for the GameCube and the Xbox. Uh, there were some educational games, Batman Justice Unbalanced and Batman Toxic Chill. Uh, the Rise of Sin Tzu was actually a Batman game that came out for the PlayStation 2, and they created this villain just for it. Uh, it also had uh, Scarecrow, Clayface, Bane, and Sin Tzu was the main main villain in that one. Did they ever have Batman math? <laughs> Batman. <laughs> His Shut mom up. wouldn't let him play, though. No, that was, that was stupid. No. And, of course, there's the game that never was. I mean, not only did uh, all of the virtually every movie for Batman got <clears throat> a game until you get to the Dark Knight. Well, before there was a Batman Begins. Oh, yeah. And it was voice cast. Christian Bale, Michael Caine, Liam Neeson. You know, everybody was in on this one. Not that great of a game. Uh, one of the rules I give my kids when I, we go to the, uh, a game store, they want to buy a video game is, is it based on a movie? Yes. And we're not what, getting it. What do we say about movie games? They suck. Okay. Yep, so pretty much. Um, it, it was like five out of 10 in the ratings. But it had everybody except for uh, Ken Watanabe from the movie voice their uh, characters. 
Is it but, Watanabe? Watanabe? Watanabe. 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 Okay. So, and then, um, go ahead. Uh, before we get into, go ahead. Tell me about the uh, the game that never was, Josh. All right. So, in the summer of 2007, Pandemic Studios was supposed to make The Dark Knight. Uh, it was going to be an open world Batman game uh, for the PS3. Uh, it was confirmed actually by Gary Oldman when uh, he did an interview on G4. But the thing is, is Pandemic Studios folded before the game could come out. Uh, Pandemic is probably best known for like the Star Wars Battlefront games, Full Spectrum Warrior. They did a lot of Star Wars titles, Destroy All Humans, the Mercenary series, uh, and the Saboteur was their last game that actually made it out in 2009. The Dark Knight, Mercenaries 3, and the next big thing were games that were supposed to come out and uh, didn't quite make it to market when Pandemic folded and was subsequently uh, acquired by EA. And it is uh, estimated that by not having the game come out when it was supposed to, it cost uh, licensing $101 million in misrevenue. Wow. That's crazy. Oh, we lost revenue, Batman. The uh, (laughs) division of Pandemic, which was in Australia and Brisbane, uh, they were responsible for developing the game, uh, were completely shut down after the fallout. So that's the game that never was. So going through the uh, the Batman games, which that's actually kind of sad because I was I hope that that would have actually been good. Nowadays, Batman games fall into either one of two categories: either Batman semicolon Arkham or Batman semicolon Lego. Sure. Yep. Yep. The Arkham series, uh, it didn't start with Arkham Origins. It started with Arkham Asylum. Came out in two thousand and nine. Uh, yeah, in two thousand nine. Yep. And it's developed by Rocksteady Studios, and it tells a story of the Joker busting out of Arkham Asylum by breaking in, by getting himself captured and getting in. Uh, he releases the Joker gas, and then you have the you're tasked with the duty of securing Arkham Asylum, which is this island in the middle of the uh, Gotham Bay. Joker has managed to close off all communications and close off all travel between the island and the mainland. But you are Batman trapped on this island with a handful of guards that are left, either have either escaped or are dead, and you have all your villains hanging out there. Um, you're... The, of course, the big baddie is Joker in this one. And it goes down to, let's see, I'm trying to remember who I've played, uh, fought against. There's, um, there is Harley Quinn. There's, yeah. uh, Freeze. Uh, is Freeze in... No, Freeze is not in here. No, You've got in the Victor city. Zaz is in it. Zaz is in it? No. Although he's not a full boss fight. Uh, no. Yeah. He's no, you're thinking first... Arkham Arkham City has Zaz. No, yeah. Zaz is in this. Yeah. He's holding a guard hostage and you have to leap down from... Oh, uh, that's right. Yeah, he's, he's more of a mini encounter than a full yeah. boss. Yeah. He's not a boss. He's more like, he's more like a timed action. You've got Bane, who is a full boss. You've got several of the Titan uh, Joker henchmen who have been inflicted with this super venom that has been drained from Van, uh, from Bane and uh, ramped up mm-hmm. and then injected into them. You've got Poison Ivy, Killer Croc, who is almost an entire level rather than just a boss fight. Yeah. And then you've got Scarecrow, who is an entire level. Yeah. A series of levels, if I remember. Yeah. Uh, the cool thing about what they did about Scarecrow is occasionally he never actually fight Scarecrow physically is that you'll turn the corner and trigger one of his gas traps and then he goes and Batman goes into this trance state and the game goes from being an over the shoulder third person view to a side scroller where you have you're trapped in your own mind and you have to escape the gaze of 
uh, Scarecrow as you traverse around the perimeter of this level to get to the bat signal, which then you shine on Scarecrow to destroy him and get out of this trap. I hate those levels. <laughs> oh, they're so twisted and creepy with uh, Scarecrow being like s- uh, several stories tall and his gaze being represented as these like baleful red lights. Mm-hmm. So you got to watch the light. The timing is ridiculous. You got to use the right gadget at the right time. And then it goes even further to screw with you. As you're playing, occasionally Batman will turn into Scarecrow just for like three frames. <laughs> yeah. And then you, you're like, what just happened? You know, and even, you know, playing it with the kids. Wait, little, wait. what just happened? Exactly. Pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> but they do. And then, you know, eventually you take them on by f- finishing this level and punching them in the face. Yeah, basically. But it, it those levels I thought was a very cool way of, uh, of doing it. The other thing that they introduced in the Arkham series was his detective vision. Yes. Which is a huge play mechanic in these games. Uh, it, it's almost similar to, say, Superman's X-ray vision, except more useful. Well, it's like in um, The Dark Knight when he has the his eyes light up and he can, using the cell phone, yeah. to, to see everything. It's, it, they, they represent it that way, kind of, but it's not that he, not well. Well, the cool thing it's is cool. that you can you can see all the enemies that you have like waiting around the corner, or you're hiding up in the alcoves of a of a room. You go to you go to detective vision, and you see how many people are in the room, how many of them are hostile, what weapons they're carrying, and as you focus your uh, crosshairs on them, it'll tell you what their heart rate is. Are they afraid? Are they calm? Are they panicked? You know what what's going on with them. So you can actually. Throw a batarang at somebody that's calm, knock them into a panic, and they'll freak out and run away. And you can pick them off one by one because they've run away from the main crowd of bad guys. It's a huge advantage. Oh, yeah. yeah. Just the ability to hide up in the rafters and hear the bad guys. They first are confident as they hunt for you. And then as you start to pick them off one by one, they get less confident, more scared. They start freaking out. Sometimes they'll start begging. You end up really feeling like you're being Batman in those oh, scenes. Yeah. Especially for the inverted takedowns, because of course it's it's Arkham Asylum, so you've got these gargoyles hanging above every everywhere. Right, you can hang above the uh, hang on the gargoyle, and as a henchman walks below you, you hit the right key, and you'll drop upside down, grab him, and then swoop right back up. And then when the other guys, he'll scream. It's not a quiet takedown, but it's fast enough that you can get him hogtied and hanging from the gargoyle. So when the other uh, henchmen show up, they see their buddy hanging upside down from this thing. And the reactions from them are really funny sometimes. It's like when they all run, where did he go? Oh, we're screwed. You know, that sort of thing. Uh, uh, one of the other ever-present things you've got going on that keys into detective mode is their series of unlocks one of which is connected to riddler who is ever present even though you never see him Mm. he has a series of riddles uh available for you in things that you were supposed to scan his clues will be cryptic riddles and a lot of the scans will be the abandoned cells of various other anywhere from a to d list villains like you can find maxi zeus's cell you can find Calendar Man's cell. 
uh, any number of uh, villains. And whenever you hit their individual spots and scan them in detective mode, you've got, as part of the unlocks, a biography page for them uh, in the options menu. Mm-hmm. Or and, and also with the biography page, you also have like a 3D model, almost like a little figurine of the uh, character from the game that you can rotate and look at and zoom in on, which I think is really cool. Uh, combat in these games has to be talked about because in this you have a what they call free flow combat and when you if you really get into the groove of it you really learn how to how to pull off the combos and that sort of thing you get to feel like you're fighting like batman because as you're fighting one guy somebody else will come up behind you with like a baseball bat and above their head you almost get like a spidey sense like little lightning bolts if you hit y at least on the controller that i'm using they'll uh batman will do a counter so you'll punch one guy in the face step back and batman without looking will reach and grab the baseball bat out of the guy's hand punch him in the stomach with it and then you know throw that down and go on to somebody else but you can gain up combos by chaining this combat bouncing from villain to villain bouncing from henchman to henchman and build up the combo until you get like the super smooth like batman fighting in the movies type style very cool it is it is a lot of fun to play once you get into that rhythm of hitting the buttons in the right order hitting the buttons in the correct you know knowing when people are coming up against you and having to do the counter once you get that rolling and you start rolling the, the um, your combo meter up into like the 12s and the 15s and the 20s, Batman just, you know, he gets more and more badass in the way he's fighting. Uh, then you go on from Arkham Asylum into the first sequel, which was named Arkham City, uh, in which an entire section of Gotham has been basically cordoned off. And they're like, we're just going to leave this section of the city to the prisoners of Blackgate and Arkham. We're just going to not let them out. And we're going to seal them up. And you get to actually traverse buildings, the various gangs uh, are quickly uh, siphoned up like an area of the city belongs to Two-Face, an area of the city belongs to the Joker, an area of the city belongs to, I'm trying to think of one of the, uh, the Penguins oh, gang. the Penguin has a museum and the Riddler has a church with a giant question mark spray painted on the steeple. And it's crazy how, like, the courthouse originally was Calendar Man's, but eventually Two-Face breaks in with his gang and, like, locks Calendar Man in the basement. Mm -hmm. And I want to talk about major pain-in-the-ass unlockables. Sure. Calendar Man, I, every calendar holiday, you put this game on, you go downstairs to the, uh, to the courthouse and you talk to Calendar Man and you get one more check mark to the completion of this. If you talk to Calendar Man on every calendar holiday of a year, then you unlock the achievement. Yep. So it takes you, or it's, it's supposed to take you a year to finish this achievement, or in my case, when you realize that you haven't gone to talk to Calendar Man on Halloween and you have to wait another friggin' year before you get can do it because you're not going to reset your calendar on your uh, system. You're going to do right. it right, damn it. Yep, I'm going on three years on not having gotten that achievement because I forget to. Yeah, I luckily have children that will remind me now. <laughs> uh, have you seen that they actually connected to Calendar Man uh, hit the final Easter egg in Arkham City? No. Just like this month, uh, Rocksteady Studios teased that there was one Easter egg left to find and you can set your system clock. You have to, in fact. You have to set your system clock to the day and year that Rocksteady Studios was founded, and Calendar Man has another special uh, thing to say. Huh. 
So it's kind of a teaser for like the impending end of uh, the series. He talks about how his early work was rough, but he uh, ended up learning from it. And he says to Batman, the end of days is coming. I was there at your beginning and I will be there at your end. thought that was cool. That's not creepy at all. <laughs> uh, bosses in Arkham City uh, are uh, Solomon Grundy, Mr. Freeze, the Penguin, Ross al Ghul, Clayface, and uh, in the two in the uh, various expansion levels, if you play as Catwoman, you have Two Face as a boss, and in Harley Quinn's Revenge, which was the DLC, you've got Harley Quinn. I haven't played the DLC of this one. One of the cool things about the, well, I keep saying that because these games are just so for as every it's like they took the culmination of every crappy Batman game that had been made up until this point, basically everything after the NES Batman and before Arkham Asylum and took all that suckiness, wadded it together and inverted it and made these games. And then made the Lego Batman 2. Uh, when this came out, uh, Catwoman, you can get Catwoman as a playable character and she has her own levels. And also secrets in Arkham City that only she can get to. Yep. Like Catwoman can crawl on the ceiling. Batman can't. So there's uh, Riddler tokens and uh, different clues and things that only she can find. Uh, What she, let's see, she fights with her, the bullwhip. Yep. The cat of nine tails and... She has other, she has caltrops. I'm trying to remember her other gadgety type things. She has caltrops and a couple other things. She also will go up against other villains that, uh, on a different way than Batman. Like Batman fights against, um, Poison Ivy, but also Catwoman in her, her plotline, she actually has an entire plotline just to herself, also has to go and convince Poison Ivy to help her out. So there's different, you approach different villains in different ways. And at one point, you actually have a mission where you're trying to save Batman. Yeah, and that's the entire theme of uh, the DLC. Uh, after the ending, which I'm not going to spoil, because Arkham City's ending is uh, a pretty Huge. big deal, but Harley Quinn is very, very upset at Batman for some reason. And uh, the beginning of the DLC has Harley Quinn knocking out Batman and taking him hostage, and you end up playing as Robin all the way through Harley Quinn's Revenge. Mm-hmm. Um, Wait, which Robin? Uh, uh, I'm pretty sure in this one you are Dick Grayson. You are actually Nightwing. Yeah, yeah, it is. It's interesting. It, it is Nightwing. I, know I haven't that- played this one, so I wasn't. Another one of the things that they did with this one is as you unlock different things in the game, you find the different clues and find the Joker uh, question marks and that sort of thing. You can actually unlock other versions of Batman to play with. So Adam West Virgin? Um, maybe. Uh, I know. Let's see. If I still had it installed, I could tell you for sure, because I think I unlocked most of Batman's costumes. Yeah, I know. Let's see. Arkham City, I, I've played as Batman the Animated Series has been on there. Oh, uh, jeez. Talk about the game, Josh. I'm going to look it up. I was trying to answer Joel's question for sure to see if uh, which version, because I'm pretty sure you are not Jason Todd. Uh, you also have all these side quests uh, around other villains that uh, don't actually appear as bosses. Uh, you have to stop... Uh, Victor Zaz uh, from do, uh, committing various murders. Uh, you know, there are deaths that you cannot prevent that are uh, killed by Deadshot. Sniper uh, sniper bullets take out various guys, and you have to trace the sniper bullet back to where Deadshot was to try and track him down and take him out. And these are entirely optional features in that second game. And, of course, there's the usual open-world collectibles. Once again, a bunch of Riddler trophies. Uh, in the DLC, you've got uh, Harley Quinn balloons to pop. Yeah, those damn question marks, which are everywhere. Oh, yeah. 
Uh, Batman Skins. Uh, looks like Animated. Jeez, Batman Beyond. Batman Incorporated. Dark Knight. Yeah, uh, 1970s Batman, but it's not Adam West. Animated Series, Batman Beyond, Batman Incorporated, Dark Knight Returns, Earth One, and the Sinistro, Sinistro Corp Batman Skin, which you get when... Oh, crap. You gotta get the Green Lantern Blu-ray, and then you get that. That's weird. That's one yeah. that nobody ever got. <laughs> Um, <laughs> three different Robin skins. Red Robin, uh, yum, yum. <laughs> Red Robin, Still Hooded funny. Robin, and animated series Robin. Yeah, 1970s Batman. He's just blue. It's not. It's not Adam West. Uh, Arkham City is also unique in that uh, it, it is the final performance of Mark Hamill as the Joker. Yes. And he did a great job. He really he did. He's done. He said the only way he'll come out of retirement and play the character again is if somebody uh, makes a uh, another movie, a better movie of The Dark Knight Returns. And um, yeah, he, oh, um, other villains that we were going to talk about. Um, Penguin, much creepier in this than he's ever been. Yeah, uh, their take on Penguin uh, is replacing his uh, monocle with a bottle bottom, basically, that's been jammed into his eye socket. That's not pleasant. (laughs) No. I'm assuming. No, it does not look pleasant, and apparently it can't be removed without killing him. What's interesting about him is he's got uh, Victor Freeze's freeze ray, and the actual fight, once you can realistically fight Penguin, is not that difficult. I mean, he's got his trick umbrellas, he's got guns, but most of the fight against Penguin is to shut down the freeze ray with the help of Mr. Freeze, because while he's got it, you can't get to him. Mm -hmm. And in one point, you actually have to cross through a giant uh the main hall of the of the uh, museum that he's locked in that he's locked himself up in and there's ice flows all around and sharks yep yeah you have to get a laser beams no no laser beam sharks oh. but you have to do stuff like get on the ice flow shoot your bat grapnel across the room and then pull yourself on this ice flow across the main hallway of you know a huge this huge hallway while avoiding getting eaten by a shark so nice yeah fun all around have any of you guys played any of the Lego Batman games. No, I have not. I no. played the first one very briefly. Lego games, for whatever reason, are ridiculously fun. That's I big. agree. I've, I've played the Marvel superheroes one extensively. I just haven't gotten too much into the DC. Yeah, I've played the DC one. I've played Indiana Jones. They ha- they've done a really good job in making sure that these games are not only good for kids to play, but a lot of fun and a lot of there's enough gameplay innovations in it. Well, maybe not even innovations, but enough gameplay in it that it's you can sit and play with your kids and have a good time. Yeah, I guess kid friendly means that they don't have like a Lego death of the family joker that can take his Lego face off and like <laughs> And they're a little more family friendly, I think. Yeah. <laughs> That it's would, coming. You never know. But no, but no, Lego Batman, a lot of fun just because Lego games are a lot of fun. Um, uh, before we completely or remove ourselves from the Arkham uh, series of games, we should also mention that they have made the ser- uh, Arkham Origins, which is a prequel. Yes. Uh, and, oh, set I, in the era of like Batman year one. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the main villain in that one, Joel, is Black Mask. 
Nice. So you have to, you have a lot of exposition on where the villains came from in that one. And of course, it's funny because like the prequel has got even better control aspects than the first two just because it's the... Wasn't that the the fan club for the band Expose? The Exposation? I think it was. Yes. Yes, you're right. All right, just making sure. Uh, Arkham Origins, you have your as your bosses Killer Croc, The Electrocutioner, Deathstroke, Copperhead, uh, Bane and Twice, Firefly, Anarchy, Shiva, Deadshot, Bird, uh, at Black Mask and the Joker. Yeah, Bird is one of um, Bane's team. Oh, yeah. Okay, I see who he is. Yeah, so. Angel Bird of Alanguela. He's uh, Bane's lieutenant. Yes. Okay. Uh, once I clicked on uh, his uh, picture here in this article, I, I, I see who he is, and I actually recognize him from the comics. Mm-hmm. And uh, next year, they are going to make yet another sequel, which is rumored to be the final, which is uh, Arkham Knight. Yes. And you get the Batmobile. Oh. Yeah. So outside of video games, we have had a few villains that uh, have not appeared uh, outside of, say, the 2000-plus era. Uh, In addition to Hush, who I already talked about, uh, once you go past Grant Morrison, uh, you've got the Court of Owls that we talked extensively about in the uh, comics uh, episode. But in addition to that, uh, we've got a bunch of guys who are New 52 uh, relaunch villains. Some of them are kind of dumb, like the White Rabbit, uh, Morgan Ducard. Uh, less dumb, uh, you've got uh, Dollmaker, who uh, ended up, uh, he was the guy who cut Joker's face off in uh, Death of the Family. Right. He's got uh, his, an entire family of twisted freaks, um, including in his family, uh, Jack in the Box, Bentley, Matilda, Samson. Hmm. Um, you've got, uh, Mr. Mosaic. There's a, a bunch of Mr. Uh, villains here in the new 52. Mr. Mosaic, Mr. Toxic, and Mr. Combustible. And Mr. No-No's. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Combustible? Uh, one of my He's favorite- really good. Once. <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, Mr. Combustible was a henchman of the Penguin. Uh, one of my favorite, uh, speaking of the Penguin henchmen, uh, we saw him a little bit in Death of the Family. It was a guy named Ignatius Ogilvy. He was the right-hand man of the Penguin. And when the Penguin was uh, basically talked into showing up at the big uh, Joker plot in Death of the Family, this guy declared himself the new boss and called himself Emperor Penguin. Uh, he it was temporarily put in charge of the Penguin's operations and just decided that uh, he was going to be permanently in charge. Hmm. Uh, however, when a Penguin is finished uh, with his favor to Joker, he discovers that Ogilvy has used various chemicals to give himself a monstrous appearance, thick skin, super strength, and other enhanced abilities. Uh, Batman takes him down and send, uh, sends him to Blackgate. And during his sentence in Blackgate, he actually takes over the prison and dons the name Emperor Blackgate. So he's one of the the newer villains who's actually a kind of a big deal who did not not appear in the early rogues gallery. I've never heard of him. Oh, yeah, I'm not uh, surprised because he's the sort that is not big enough to be in video games. I, I'm pretty much mostly familiar with him because we ended up reading Death of the Family for the comics episode. Uh, many of the other villains that we're seeing who are new are other prisoners of San- in Santa Prisca uh, from Bane. We've got Brute, Malicia, the Professor, and Wolf Spider, who are all uh, people who are associated with Bane in one way or another. 
Right. So that's basically the the new fifty two now Batman villains. I'd like to see All where right. they put Emperor how Emperor Penguin goes. Yeah, now that he's Emperor B- Blackgate. Yeah, because Blackgate's it, a big thing to have control over. Yeah, like this never ending. He's it's almost like a uh, a henchman machine. You know, pull the lever, yes. get another friend. I, I agree with you. Okay, <laughs> Pat agrees with you. Yes. Okay. Good. All right. Well. uh... So, uh, what are we doing next year? Week. Year? Next year. Next year. I went oh, away. Crap. I'm back now. Next week is Batman. The jo- oh, Josh has to do it. Oh, sorry. Movies. Yes. Batman movies. Took us long enough, but there's a lot to watch. <laughs> A lot. Yeah. yeah, lots of hours. Um, so next week we are going to be doing Batman the movies. And uh, if you have any more ideas, because we're going to have to come up with new things to do for the last month of the year. So if you have any ideas, you can always give us a call over at uh, 708-NOW-RAP, 708-669-9727. Or you can email us at uh, 40go14 at gmail.com. And if you want to hear some of our older shows, uh, go to iTunes, Blueberry, Stitcher, and TalkShoe, and you can find our whole catalog available for your perusal. Yeah, you can find us uh, also on the Musings of a Geek Network at www.musingsofageek.com or Saturdays at noon on Geek Life Radio. Also, we are uh, always a fan of hearing from you on Twitter, so you can tweet us at 40go14. All right. And we're on Facebook. Yes. We are on Facebook. Or you can visit us at our home on the web at www.40go14.com. Yep. Yo. Do you think if New 52 Joker has a Facebook? He has a lack of Facebook. Oh, my God. What? I can't believe that uh, I, I left it to this moment to, uh, right before we wrap up. Big the baby Joker is new. Pat's. <laughs> Wait, what? They just brought back Joker. What? Yep. Really? They just brought him back. Uh, currently going on in the last two issues of Batman. I almost forgot to mention it. Missing since the end of Death of the Family. Uh, the last two issues of Batman show you kind of what Joker's been up to. He's been uh, actually in Arkham Asylum. And his whole thing right now... we're not quite sure what his plans are yet. I don't want to spoiler it too much, but he like comes back with a bang, like using the Joker toxin on the entire justice league aside from Batman himself. Oh shit. So you've got a Joker fight Superman flying around laughing. Uh, and he, whatever his plan is, he obviously wants the JLA out of the way so he can deal with Batman. And it has been strongly hinted that his relationship with Batman, he's always kind of seen himself as a friend. Well, well, now I think he sees himself as a friend where like friendship and love has turned to hate and he's finally had enough and he is going to end his relationship with Batman in a particularly dangerous and destructive way. So that's something that's currently going on right now in comic books. Crap. Now I got to go to the comic shop again. Oh, it's so good. All right. So if that's not enough of a teaser, that's something we're not going to be talking about next week. <laughs> it is not, but it <laughs> was relevant to our subject this week. Yeah, though it is something you should go check out because I'm sure the way the writing has been on these books, it's something you should definitely le- read. So until next week, Bat fans, do you want to do it? You can same find bat us. time, same Bat channel. That, that is that what you wanted? That's all I wanted. All right, I'm happy now. <laughs> Good night, folks. You are now leading the world of Musings of a Geek Podcast Network. Stay geeky, my friends. Dude, I'm in the basement and it's freezing. Well, that's the thing is this apartment only has two settings, basically too hot and too cold. <clears throat> Sounds like a song by Salt and Pepper. <laughs> too hot, too cold. You're you're young, I'm old. I'm never never do that day. What the fuck? What's, <laughs> what's wrong with Patrick? That is like the worst song I've ever heard. <laughs> <by Salt and Pepper. laughs> you don't like that? <laughs>
<laughs> oh, that's awesome. That was a big hit in like 92. I'm hot. Yabba too hot. Day, huh? <laughs> too hot, too cold. You're young. I'm old. Yabba that's, that's the that's the that's the Flintstones mix. The re- Flintstones remix. 